Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Digest, your one-stop podcast for thought-provoking insights and compelling stories. Each episode, we sift through the web's richest content, carefully curated for those with an insatiable thirst for knowledge in the realm of self-improvement. So sit tight, open your mind, and get ready for an adventure of understanding and inspiration. Today's episode is brought to you by Blogcast, your personalized audio feed available on iPhone and Android. In today's episode of the Self-Improvement Digest podcast, we'll be sharing an article by Nicholas Goke titled, A Metaphor That Will Increase Your Chances of Finding Success. Nicholas shares a powerful metaphor that will help you understand the importance of perseverance and consistency in achieving your goals. This metaphor will inspire you to keep pushing forward, even when faced with obstacles and setbacks. So, if you're ready to increase your chances of finding success, let's dive in. A Metaphor That Will Increase Your Chances of Finding Success Written by Nicholas Goka Right in the first Harry Potter book, J.K. Rowling introduces one of the most fascinating items in the entire wizarding world, the Mirror of Erised. Erised is just desire spelled backwards, which hints at what the mirror does. It shows you what you most desperately wish for in life. An Olympian might see themselves taking the gold, a steel mill worker might see a lavish lifestyle, and an orphan like Harry might see his parents. We all have a mirror like that. A mirror in our head, teasing us with our desires. There's nothing wrong with a little daydreaming, but when Dumbledore sees Harry gazing at the object again and again, he tells him, It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Besides this oasis of wishful thinking, however, there's a second mirror tucked away in the depths of our mind. A mirror that's much less kind, downright dangerous. It shows us everything that's wrong with us. I guess we could call it the mirror of Swolf. A 19th century meme. Do you know where the word OK comes from? What may be the most universal, neutral affirmation in not just the English language, but cultures all around the world, actually started as a joke. A 19th century meme, if you will. Intellectuals in the 1830s intentionally misspelled two-word phrases, then abbreviated them to speak in code with other insiders. KY stood for no use, while OW was all right. The trend eventually faded, but one little quip unexpectedly made it from fad to phrase, OK, or all correct. U.S. President Martin Van Buren branded himself as OK, old kinderhook, during his 1840 campaign, hoping the phrase would rub off on his age and birthplace. OK clubs formed all over the country, and if you were in, you were not just supporting Van Buren. Suddenly, you were OK. The Telegraph later spread OK far and wide, using it to quickly confirm the receipt of messages while the old kinderhook lost the election. But the phrase was a clear winner. Because for some reason, we're trying to get into the club to this day. The world's most sophisticated pacifier. James Blunt isn't just a great singer, he's also a master of the Twitter troll. If you thought 2016 was bad, I'm releasing an album in 2017. He joins a long line of people believing 2016 was the worst year ever. 
There's no evidence to this claim, but it shows that perception at large has shifted. Templates for fulfilling your desires have never been in short supply online, but while these stories make our goals sound attainable, we are usually content with reading rather than living them. It's soothing to learn how I got 2.3 million app downloads and made $72,000. It weirdly makes the goal feel less necessary. It shows us we're okay, even if we're not a brilliant developer. But nowadays, our desire for comfort is a lot less subtle. Instead of hiding it behind lofty goals, we demand it outright. Screw my dreams, just tell me the world will keep turning. Tell me I'll be okay. The tone on the web is a lot darker. We're less driven by what we want, but by what we think needs fixing. We need constant reminders that it's okay to start small. It's okay to be alone. It's okay to not struggle. We ask why the internet makes us miserable, why our friend wants to kill themselves, and why our work isn't good enough. We need someone to tell us it's okay to quit Google. It's okay to not want a promotion. It's okay to not be an entrepreneur. And oh, by the way, laziness doesn't exist. All of these have merit. They're understandable cravings and legit questions. But when the it's okay lullaby so strongly dominates our global conversation, that says a lot about the state of humanity at large. It's not okay. We're turning the internet into a highly sophisticated pacifier for adults. Something for us to suck on to compensate for all the skills we never learned, but should have. Skills like self-compassion, confidence, empathy, optimism, non-judgment, kindness, detachment, and resilience. Reasons are manifold, ranging from bad parenting to modern education to internet culture to omnipresent technology. But regardless of the causes, we must now deal with their effects. We turn to our inner mirror, and all we see are flaws. We see a version of ourselves that's bloodied, battered, and close to being beaten. A version full of wounds, cuts, and scars. A human that's incomplete. The mirror has poisoned our self-image, and the cracks it shows us are destroying our sense of self. James Blunt's most popular song of 2017 wasn't one from his new album. It was a standalone feature called OK. The music video shows him opting to delete his memories in a futuristic world. It's gonna be okay, he sings. I guess that 19th century joke is now on us. Scratching until it bleeds. In one of his many bestsellers, Lynchpin, Seth Godin says there are two ways of dealing with anxiety. The first is to seek reassurance. This approach says that if you're worried about something... Indulge the worry by asking people to prove that everything is going to be okay. Check in constantly, measure, and repeat. Is everything okay? Reward the anxiety with reassurance and positive feedback. Of course, this just leads to more anxiety, because everyone likes reassurance and positive feedback. This is exactly what we're doing when we turn to the internet to comfort us as we face our many flaws. But this behavior only creates a never-ending cycle. Reassure me about one issue, and you can bet I'll find something else to worry about. Reassurance doesn't address the issue of anxiety. In fact, it exacerbates it. You have an itch, and you scratch it. The itch is a bother, 
the scratch feels good, and so you repeat it forever, until you are bleeding. In contrast to fear, which targets a real and specific threat, Seth says, anxiety is always about something vague that lies in the future. Anxiety has no purpose. It's a fear about fear, and thus, a fear that means nothing. What Seth is really saying is that these two mirrors in our heads are one and the same. Looking into it is always about reassurance. Reassurance that our dreams can come true, and reassurance that we'll be okay if they don't. But at the end of the day, it's just a mirror. What you see in it isn't real. Whether it's the goals we haven't achieved, or the shortcomings we're scared will hurt us, none of them even exist. Like the anxiety we feel from looking at it, the image we hold of ourselves in our heads isn't there. It's just a reflection. So even though our focus might have shifted, the root problem has always been the same. The cracks are in the mirror, not us. That's why Dumbledore issued another grave warning to young Harry seeking so much reassurance. This mirror gives us neither knowledge or truth. Men have wasted away in front of it, even gone mad. Hey, Seth, whatever your other way of dealing with anxiety, it better work. Bad fathers don't exist. In one of his last interviews before he died by suicide, late Lincoln Park frontman Chester Bennington gave us a heartfelt account of what it's like inside the mind of someone who struggled with lifelong depression. I don't say nice things to myself. There's another Chester in there that wants to take me down. If I'm not actively getting out of myself, being with other people, being a dad, being a husband, being a bandmate, being a friend, helping someone out. Like, if I'm out of myself, I'm great. If I'm inside all the time, I'm horrible. But it's the moment where it's like realizing I drive myself nuts, actually thinking that all these are real problems. All the stuff that's going on in here is actually just, I'm doing this to myself, regardless of whatever that thing is. If you're worried about being a bad father, that doesn't make you a bad father. It just makes you worried. Bad fathers don't exist. Only people who worry too much, who can't deal with some experiences, experiences they forever live in their head and who one day might hit, yell at, or abandon their child as a result. That's not a character flaw. It's a chain of actions gone horribly wrong. Reality consists of subjects and verbs. We're the ones who supply all the adjectives. All of them. And we only do it to make reality feel more permanent. If you had a bad parenting experience, you might now point to the bad father memory whenever you make a detrimental decision. Drank too much? Bad father. Got fired? Bad father. Screwed up a relationship? Bad father. The truth is, as much as that experience sucked, and I don't wish it to anyone, it's not reality any longer. It's in the past. When you drag it up with you to the present, you're twisting reality. You look in the mirror and see another wound that's not there. Sadly, for some people, like Chester, these experiences compound to the point where they can no longer tell reality from reflection. I can only imagine how hard it must be to even realize when that happens. But when it does, and you do, please, go and ask for help. As much as you can get. Meanwhile, Chester has left... Meanwhile, Chester has left us with an incredible gift. The Truth 
Among Dumbledore's many wise aphorisms, one of his most popular seems to contradict everything we've said. Of course, it is happening inside your head, Harry. But why on earth should that mean that it is not real? This must be one of the most misunderstood quotes of all time, because Dumbledore isn't suggesting that everything you imagine is real. Instead, he's trying to tell Harry what both Chester and Seth have also alluded to: the truth about ourselves is what we choose to believe. Dumbledore shared this advice with Harry at a time when the latter could literally choose between life and death. Sometimes the consequences of the words we choose when talking to ourselves in our heads are just as severe. That's why this statement is as powerful as it is dangerous. We all get confused at times, we all blur the line, and we all spend too much time staring at that goddamn mirror. The ways we deal with this, however, are different. For Chester, it meant happiness lay outside himself. If you run out of kind words for yourself, try to stop talking. Seek not to the stars, but to the ground beneath your feet. Look to reality. Look around. There's no club to get into, and there never was. You were always okay. Humanity is one big community, and you've been a member from day one. Sometimes focusing on that is all you need to change the conversation in your head. For Seth, it means sitting with anxiety. Don't run. Say hi. Welcome to reality. The more you sit, the worse it gets. Without water, the fire rages. Then an interesting thing happens. It burns itself out. The anxiety can't sustain itself forever, especially when morning comes and your house hasn't been invaded, when the speech is over and you haven't been laughed at, when the review is complete and you haven't been fired. Reality is the best reassurance of all. Which one of these works for you at what time depends, but they both require our presence in the real world. Whenever the reality inside your head starts to look scary, it's usually the one outside that can provide the answers. Maybe you have to sit with it. Maybe you have to forget it for a while, until you can look in the mirror again and see yourself as you actually are—a human being, not flawed. Not incomplete, human, with the ability to choose whatever belief you need. Even the best article can only help you so much in doing that. Then again, I remember an okay wizard who once said, "Words are, in my not so humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic." Albus Dumbledore. If you enjoyed this, you may also like our other podcasts: the Productivity Digest, the Psychology Digest, and the Life Digest. Stay curious, stay inspired, and thanks for listening.